2: Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have Labor for Victory, a broadcast by the AFL and CIO saluting organized labor's work for the war effort. The show was originally broadcast over NBC on Labor Day Eve, September 5th, 1942. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please remember to leave ratings or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And be sure to visit our website at com slash podcast, where you can find links to past episodes as well as the books featured in our podcasts. So thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Labor for Victory. On the eve of Labor Day, in token of organized Labor's united effort to help win the war, the, the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of Industrial Organizations join tonight in presenting a special program featuring President Roosevelt's Labor Day message to the nation's production soldiers, and a talk by United States Senator Robert F. Wagner of New York, the father of the great legislative reforms which have helped American workers to attain economic freedom. The White House has just released President Roosevelt's message. It will be read for you now by Radcliffe Hall.
0: There has never been a Labor Day as significant as this one. In a great many countries, free labor has ceased to exist. A blackout of freedom has darkened Europe from the tip of Norway to the shores of the Aegean. And sturdy workingmen who once walked erect in the sun now stumble and cower beneath the lash of the slave masters. The rights of free labor and free men have vanished in the conquered land. They are threatened and besieged everywhere. This is indeed labor's grave hour, as it is the grave hour of the farmer, the industrialist, the teacher and preacher, the apron housewife, the smallest child in the cradle. All these are the beneficiaries and heirs of the democratic system. And it is democracy itself that the evil men of West and East hate and seek to destroy. Happily, our good right arm is strong and growing stronger. In our own country, in the countries of our brother allies, the people who live by the sweat of their brows have risen mightily to the challenge of the struggle. They have given their sons to the military services. They have stoked the furnaces and hurried the factory wheels. They have made the planes and welded the tanks, riveted the ships, and rolled the shells. Production of war materials here is now the greatest in our history. But it is not yet enough. It will be greater still. This is an appropriate occasion to express my appreciation to the working people of the United States for the energy and devotion with which they have met the demands of the present crisis. They know what it is to work until muscles ache. They know what it means to be weary when the whistle blows at the end of the shift. They know, too, that democracy has made labor's advances possible. They know just what stake they have in America, just what they are fighting for. There are certain to be stormy days ahead. Laborers, farmers, industrialists, all of us are pledged to the war effort. We are certain to be asked for sacrifices. These may be sacrifices of wage increases, crop price increases, profit increases, bodily comfort. All this is little enough for free men to sacrifice in a world where freedom is imperiled. That was President Roosevelt's Labor Day message. Responding
2: to the challenge of the war crisis and in reply to the nation's commander-in-chief, the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of Industrial Organizations, representing more than 10 million American workers, hereby pledged to make every sacrifice necessary to win the war. The theme of this Labor Day is... Free labor will win. American workers are free, economically as well as politically. One of the foremost leaders in the fight to make labor free and keep it free is the senior senator from New York, the Honorable Robert F. Wagner. He is best known, perhaps, as the author of the National Labor Relations Act, the Magna Carta of labor, which guarantees to American workers the right to join free and democratic trade unions of their own choosing. He has also sponsored many of the great social reforms which, accorded to American workers, their right to be treated as human beings instead of industrial slaves. The Congress of Industrial Organizations and the American Federation of Labor are happy to present now a Labor Day talk by the friend of American workers, Senator Robert F.
1: Wagner. My friends, Labor Day this year will be observed under the shadow of the conflict that rages throughout the world in the skies over Europe and the African desert on the banks of the Don and the Volga, off distant islands in the far Pacific. Names and places we had known in the realm of fiction have become household words in every corner of our land. The bitter fighting in these remote regions of the earth touches our independence, and our freedom just as directly as bygone battles on our own soil at Gettysburg and Bunker Hill. The American labor movement gave early warning against the menace of the Nazi scheme of things. They saw clearly that the Nazi destruction of trade unions was the opening wedge in the attempted destruction of all freedom and all rights. Long before Pearl Harbor, At a period when business as usual flourished, American workers were urging the fullest conversion of peacetime industry to defense production. Like the working men of Manchester, England, in Lincoln's day, they would risk their own jobs and livelihood to help strike the chains of slavery from their fellow men. But Labor Day can no longer be observed by reciting the record of yesterday. In these times, the chief symbol of our observance will be the launching of a great assembly of ships to join our fighting forces today and the laying down of more keels for the ships that will fight in the battles to come. Time is running fast, and at this moment, time is not on our side. United Nations must wage today's battles with today's weapons. Our job at home is to make those weapons and put them within the reach of fighting men. American industry workers and employers are doing that job earnestly and well. The enormous output of our assembly lines has given new vigor to the production of slogan, of the last war. It can't be done, but here it is. The supply of manpower has proved adequate for all our needs. Industrial disputes have been quickly adjusted with the loss of a fraction of 1% of the total working time. Jurisdictional strife is being replaced by a new and healthy form of rivalry. As an example, planes made by members of the CIO carried General Doolittle and his men to their brilliant raid over the cities of Japan. Planes made by members of the AFL are battering the invasion coast of Europe in preparation for the Second Front. Aircraft workers in the two branches of the labor movement are conscious only of this keen competition. Which group can produce more planes to drop more bombs on Berlin and Tokyo? A united America and our thousand million allies in the United Nations wish them both Godspeed. This is more than a common struggle for victory against fascism, it is a common struggle for liberty and the goals of liberty everywhere in the world. Such a war must be fought, and it can only be won, by using to the utmost the resources and the tools of democracy itself. That means more housing for war workers and more safeguards against accidents and ill health. It means more contracts for the smaller plants now idle and better recognition of labor in the wake and the policies of the War Production Board. It means more equality of sacrifice in taxes and consumer rationing. It means a more vigorous attack upon discrimination in the war effort against patriotic Americans of any race, creed, or color. It means a sounder economy by stabilizing wages, farm prices, and the cost of living. Yes, it does take democracy a long time to mobilize and get underway. These are not problems that trouble Mr. Hitler and his murderous allies. Is there a city in Nazi Germany where workers are unemployed? Hitler orders them moved to jobs elsewhere, perhaps to Poland. Or Romania are there small plants that have no work to do Hitler attaches their machinery and personnel to some big industrial enterprise operating by an approved member of the Nazi party is the supply of civilian goods getting dangerously low the Gestapo will handle consumer rationing and take care of the needy or the discontent this is the peace aim of wakers and far-sighted people everywhere. Let no man tell you that all this is just an empty vision, just a wishful thinking of idealists and dreamers. Remember that idealists, visionaries and dreamers pioneered upon this continent and built the glory of our cities and our farms. Remember that democracy was just a daring dream until the founding fathers had the fortitude to make it a living force in the advance of human progress. The idealism that inspired their wake now inspires our fight. That idealism distinguishes our world from Hitler's new order of cynicism, slavery, and greed. In the First World War, the noble goals set for humanity by by Woodrow Wilson were worth untold divisions of fighting men. The flaming justice of our cause sapped the strength of our enemies and completely destroyed their morale in the field and behind the lines. In this war, America is once again the arsenal of democratic ideals, as well as the arsenal of democratic arms. Our idealism will again be triumphant, not as a war weapon alone, but this time as the shining standard of a free world, better prepared than before to make our dreams and our hopes come true. On this Labor Day, American labor is united in giving support and allegiance to President Franklin D. Roosevelt, the inspired leader of mankind's battle for the better world we all want to live in. And labor stands in the forefront of a united America resolved to stay in the war to the finish until the final triumph of our armies and the final vindication of our democratic faith.
2: Thank you, Senator Wagner. Labor for Victory. You have just heard a special program presented jointly for the first time tonight by the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of Industrial Organizations. And featured on this program were President Roosevelt's Labor Day message... And also a talk by Senator Robert F. Wagner of New York. Next week, Labor for Victory will be presented by the CIO. This program came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company.